Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. I'm Nolan Bicknell. And I'm Robert Zirk. On today's episode of RC360, we're continuing with Education Month. All month long, we're covering stories about education, both to shed some light on how important it is to our community, as well as to highlight some of the people that are making a positive impact in the field right here in Winnipeg. That's right. First, we'll hear about an interesting project that's encouraging book exchanges, as well as bringing neighborhoods together with no library card required. Then, local writers are coming together to launch a special edition of one of Canada's oldest literary magazines. We'll hear more about that launch event that's coming up this Wednesday. And finally, Noah Ehrenberg joins us in studio to talk about the latest stories from citizen journalists at Community News Commons. All this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. We're going to start things off today with a song. Uh, after we'll hear uh, Nolan's interview regarding Little Free Libraries. But first, here's Harry Connick Jr. with I Could Write a Book, right here on River City 360. If they asked me, I could write a book About the way you walk and whisper and look I could write a preface on how we met So the world would never forget And the simple secret of the part Is just to tell them that I love you a lot then the world discovers as my book ends how to make two lovers a friends. To tell them that I love you a lot Then the world discovers As my book ends How to make two lovers A Thank you for listening to River City 360. I am now joined in studio by Kathleen Williams and Charlene Rosier. Am I saying that right? Uh, Kathleen is the coordinator of outreach and marketing at the Winnipeg Public Library. And Charlene Rosier is the is a steward of the Little Free Libraries program. So, And I welcome to the show, girls. Thank, Thank you. you. I just wanted to bring you in to talk about the Little Free Libraries program because it's kind of a cool, interesting little concept that we have. Um, so maybe, sh- Kathleen, if you want to just tell me about the, the program in general, where it came from, and, uh, and how you brought it to Winnipeg. Um, well, I didn't necessarily bring it to Winnipeg, but I will um, 
just kind of tell you a little bit about the Little Free Libraries movement, and Charlene can certainly jump in sure. as well, since she was the very first Little Free Library steward in Winnipeg. Um, I'm not sure exactly when the first year was, but it's um, uh, probably well over. 2009? 2009 is when uh, Todd Bowl, um, who lives in Wisconsin, he decided to create uh, something that really could uh, memorialize his mom who had passed away. And she was a teacher, and she loved to read, and she really felt strongly about the joy of literacy and, and bringing reading to the community. So he built a little book exchange. Kind of looked like a big birdhouse, put books in it, put on a post, put on his front yard, and invited the community to exchange books through it. That was the very first little free library, and the community loved it. It grew, and now it's worldwide, 70 countries thereabouts, with probably close to 25,000 little free libraries, and I think there's at least 35 in Winnipeg. Okay, and Charlene, you were the literal first one in Winnipeg? Yes. Cool. Why did you want to do something like this? Um, We we saw it on a news broadcast when the first one came to Calgary, and we're a family of readers, and we just thought that that was the best idea ever. And uh, we thought, hey, that'd be really great. And then we thought, well, you know what? We can make one if there isn't one here already. And we looked, and there wasn't. So my husband built it, and my kids picked the design, and we set it up, and we've been really busy ever since. Very cool. So what was the process like of building it, and how has the response been in uh, to your Little Free Library? Oh, it's been excellent. Um, we've had over 4,500 books go out in the almost three years that we've been open. Okay, and so it's an exchange. That means do people, is it kind of a give yeah. a penny, take a penny kind of a yeah, deal? Yeah, we initially yeah. stocked the library with um, selections just from our house, and then since then people just leave one or take one. And Very Sometimes cool. we get large donations, but normally and it's just a one-on-one. 4,500 books, you said? Yeah, that's just how many? Our, how many are there at a time? Uh, it, the ours at home holds about 80. Okay. And then we, we built another one for our children's school. And that one holds between 200 and 300 books. Very cool. And I don't track that one because it's just too labor-intensive too crazy. to do that. Um, so how important, is, you said your, re- your family is readers. How important for both, for both girls, this question can be, you guys can both answer this. How important is education and sort of literacy, like you said, to your communities and to your, to your families and stuff? <laughs> well, from the public library angle... Um, it's a huge part of our mandate, and that is why we're interested in the Little Free Library movement as well. Um, one of the mottos of the Little Free Library movement is take a book, leave a book, um, that book exchange idea. Obviously, public libraries could be kind of like the big free library as far as people coming and going, and and more so than book exchanges, obviously, there's a lot more to the public library with programming and, and technology and such. But it really comes down to community building, meeting your neighbors, and getting to know your community in a way that um, is very, very tangible. So I've heard from a lot of stewards that um, said they didn't know their neighbors or the person two doors down or the family across the street, and suddenly they're chatting over their little free library as they do a book exchange. And that's kind of similar to the public library, too, and how we engage groups and, and and communities as well. But really, it's the joy of reading and getting people to read and connect in their communities. So it's exciting, and it's fun. Perfect. And Charlene? Oh, it's just been a great experience. We've got lots of little kids that come from 
not necessarily our street. There's a lot on our street also, but we've met, we knew a lot of those neighbors, but we've met a lot of people from a few streets over. And we're really close to Zinnobine Park, so anytime there's something going on at the park, we have people from other neighborhoods that find out about it. And I think that's really helped spread it throughout Winnipeg. For sure. Um, my initial response when I heard about this was like, wouldn't wouldn't there be thefts or wouldn't there be vandalism or anything? Has anyone have you dealt with that at all, or is it had been one hundred percent positive? Um, the only thing we've had is we had our some of our books thrown on the ground one morning. But, oh, really? But that's not. It that was bad. in the snow and just oh. shake it off, put it back in. Yeah, it's, there's. Are, sorry, go ahead. It's just there's been very few incidents. Um, there have been a few incidents, but the thing about community is they rally and. Um, a couple of times that it has happened, the community rallied around and said, well, let's just build up and, and start over again. And That's fantastic. So there, it hasn't been a, a huge issue by any means, and there's lots of ways in circumventing you know, those kinds of issues. And it's, um, you have a lot of people who are watching the Little Free Libraries, too, and the more eyes on it, the better. Right. So if any of our listeners want to get involved, how exactly can they build their own, or how does that work? Um, the littlefreelibrary.org website has a lot of great tips on getting started. There's advice for builders on there, um, for building community outreach, for stocking your library, for sort of introducing it to the neighborhood. There's also resources there for crowdsourcing if you need funds to fund a build or buy more books. Lots of great ideas there. Fantastic. So that's littlefreelibrary.org. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. Well, thank you very much, Kathleen Williams and Charlene Rosier, for talking to us about Little Free Libraries. So thank you very much, girls. Thank you. Thanks. Like I said, you can go to littlefreelibrary.org or to wpl.winnipeg.ca, which is the Winnipeg Libraries website, and it has a great little map of all the free libraries in the city, so you can find out which one is nearest to you. Coming up after the break, Robert Zirk sits down with Andrus Taskins, the editor of Prairie Fire magazine. But first, here's the monotones with their song, Book of Love, right here on RC360. I wonder, wonder who... Who wrote the book of love? Tell me, tell me, tell me Who wrote the book of love? I've got to know the answer Was it someone from above? I wonder, wonder Who wrote the book of love? I love you, darling Baby, you know I do But I've got to see this book of love Bye. 
the meaning of romance In chapter four you break up But you give me just one more chance Oh, I wonder, wonder Who, who, who wrote the book of love Baby, baby, baby I love you, yes I do Welcome back to River City 360. I'm now joined by Andrus Taskins. He's the editor of Prairie Fire Magazine, which is one of the oldest literary magazines in Canada, and it's based right here in Winnipeg. So thank you so much, Andrus, for joining me today. Glad to be here, Rob. First off, when people pick up a copy of Prairie Fire Magazine, what can they expect? Well, we usually publish a, a combination of fiction, poetry, and some non-fiction in each issue. And it's almost entirely Canadian content, and as often as we can, a large segment is uh, Manitoba content. The issue in question is particularly heavy on Winnipeg writers. Okay. So that was kind of leading into what I was uh, about to ask about Electric City 2, which is the special edition uh, that's launching this Wednesday. What exactly defines the theme of the work in Electric City in the series? Well, the first and main theme is that the writers are all based here in Winnipeg, and a lot of them are young and emerging writers, or sometimes they're middle-aged and emerging writers, and we're giving them a a local stage to uh, present their work to their hometown audience. Beyond that, it's just sometimes it's about Winnipeg, but not always. Electric City 2 features established as well as emerging writers, as you mentioned. Could you tell us about some of the authors and their works that appear in the edition? Well, there are people who are part of the literary community, like Jan Horner, for example, Duncan Mercury, who is the, I'd say, the dean of indigenous writers in this province, immigrant writers like uh, Chimwemwe Yundi and Lulu Akanamoya, uh, young emerging uh, aboriginal writers like uh, Joshua Whitehead, people who function in spoken word primarily, but who are trying something different. We have people who are writing uh, plays. We have people who are writing poetry. We have people writing fiction. We have uh, Maureen Hunter, the playwright. In fact, one of the things that surprised me was how many submissions we received of plays. Trish Cooper and Carolyn Gray and Rick Chafe, all of whom are quite noteworthy younger playwrights in this province. On Wednesday, you have an event coming up for Electric City 2 that's taking place at McNally Robinson. Tell us a little bit more about that launch event. Well, it's pretty straightforward, Rob. We've got uh, a podium. We're going to have as many of the contributors as care to read from their work. There will be chairs set up for the audience. We expect a very good turnout because uh, there are so many writers that even if they only were to bring their friends and family, we'd have a full house. But I believe members of the public will be curious too. And afterwards, there's cake. Who can possibly fault that? Sounds good. So before we go, is there anything else you'd like to mention uh, regarding Electric City or Prairie Fire Magazine? Well, I would like to thank the Winnipeg Foundation for its very strong support of both last year's Electric City and this year's. It's that kind of commitment to local arts that certainly makes it easier for small organizations like ours to continue. Thank you. 
Great. So thank you, Andrus, for joining me today. Andrus Taskins is the editor of Prairie Fire magazine, and the spring edition, which features Electric City 2, launches this Wednesday at 7 p.m. at McNally Robinson Booksellers at Grant Park's Shopping Center. Coming up after the break, Noah Ehrenberg joins us in studio to talk about citizen journalism. But first, here's the next installment in our series about Winnipeggers who, through foresight, planning, and generosity, created a lasting legacy and helped to make their community a better place. Here's my co-host, Robert Zirk. Elizabeth Kathleen Lightcap and her husband Jack were active and generous community members. Born in Winnipeg in 1906, Lightcap was the only daughter of the Honorable Theodore A. and Georgie K. Burroughs. She was a founding member of the Junior League of Winnipeg in 1928, a longtime volunteer driver for Meals on Wheels, and a lifelong member of the St. Stephen's Broadway United Church. Lightcap had foresight. She gave to her community through a discretionary fund at the Winnipeg Foundation. Through her will, she also established the Kathleen Burroughs Lightcap Memorial Fund at the Foundation. Gifts totaling almost $6.5 million were endowed, creating a permanent source of support for local charitable projects. Today, the total amount distributed to the community exceeds the value of the original gifts. Because this fund is permanently endowed at the Winnipeg Foundation, it will support our community for good forever. Over time, the grants it generates can far surpass the value of the original gift. When you give to the Winnipeg Foundation, you're joining Mrs. Lightcap and the thousands of others who've had the foresight to support our community for good forever. You're listening to River City 360, and... Coming up, we're going to speak with Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons, and he's got a few stories that he'd like to share written by citizen journalists from right here in our community. But first, we've got a song for you. It's You're in Education by Larry Clinton and his orchestra featuring B. Wayne right here on River City 360. Scientific 
though it's tender, it's terrific. You're an education in yourself. And we're back here on River City 360, and we're now joined by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons. So, Noah, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, thanks a lot. It's great to be here. So, Noah, I understand that there are some new reporters who joined CNC after taking the training this past week, uh, and they probably published some of their first ever stories. So tell us a little bit about that. For sure. We had uh, some training uh, in June as well as at the end of May that... um, a lot of uh, people had uh, taken, and uh, one of the citizen journalists that uh, came out of that training was Marnie Felis, and uh, she reported on a story that uh, basically happened right in her neighborhood on uh, Lilac Street, and uh, she noticed a backhoe operator began uh, demolishing this two-story house there, yet uh, there wasn't a safety net in place, or a safety fence, rather, in place. So I think with, I saw uh, the picture of that on cncwpg.org. Um, basically, a guy just had his backhoe sitting in the street smashing a house right there exactly he was right there no barrier around the demolition site (laughs) elementary students from the uh ecola verandre that were uh heading to school were basically dodging all of this debris that's coming down around them and uh so marnie went ahead and uh, decided well this looks like a story and so she picked up her camera she shot some video she uh, wrote a piece about it and basically you can see the house being demolished with no safety fence in place you can see the police arriving because marnie phoned the police and um, they uh, stopped the uh, demolition from going on, and they put up some yellow tape to mark the demolition site. And so Marnie was uh, real quick acting. Uh, Marnie Felis is the is the citizen reporter, and uh, she was able to report that uh, on uh, the pages of Community News Commons. And I think uh, our listeners would uh, be interested to uh, look at the story and to uh, look at the videos as well that she and posted. Safety first, people. Like, if you're <laughs> going right. to demolish a house with a backhoe... <laughs> Put up some sort of safety net in place and get your permits in check, people, please. (laughs) Yes, Um, indeed. So I understand that upcoming here in Winnipeg is Bike to Work Day, and we're encouraging people to do exactly what we said. Exactly. And uh, the um, citizen journalist uh, Greg Petzold uh, says it's time to think about your route for Bike to Work Day, which is coming up on Friday, June the 19th. And Greg is a avid cyclist. He rides to work every day uh, from his home in Charleswood uh, all the way to downtown Winnipeg uh, near Portage in Maine. And um, he did something uh, quite novel. He went ahead and he... um, sort of uh, ca- uh, cataloged his route and uh, you look at the the map that he takes and then the different photos that he sees of the um, of the different um, things along the way uh, he goes through uh, Charleswood through Assiniboine Park uh, along Wellington Crescent uh, over uh, Footbridge and then uh, down into um, the Wolseley area and um, all the way down Assiniboine Avenue down towards uh, downtown Winnipeg and basically it's a real nice story of 
what it's like to bike to work, uh, some pointers on how you should bike to work, some of the things you should be considering. And um, he offers up some suggestions as to uh, what you might do to make that um, that trek to work uh, that much more enjoyable. So that's a story by Greg Petzold on uh, CNC that I think our listeners would be uh, quite interested in, in checking out. Great. So that's uh, f- this coming Friday, June 19th, bike to work. Why not? Get some exercise, get out, enjoy the sun. Hopefully. Absolutely. Um, so each week, uh, we, Robert and I like to hear from you, a local musician of some sort. Um, so what have you brought for us this week? Well, this week I thought we'd feature a musician by the name of William Prince. He's been around for a while. He's from Winnipeg, and um, he is a terrific singer-songwriter uh, that has uh, played quite a few shows over the course of the last few years. Uh, he performs with uh, Donna Merrill on Donna Merrill's new album. He also has his own album, and uh, William Prince will be performing... Uh, this summer at various festivals. The next time you can see him live would be at the Aboriginal Day festivities, which will be on Saturday, June 20th. Uh, He'll be at the side stage at the Forks and at the Pyramid that night. And so I wanted to feature William Prince um, from his album called The Carney with an um, item or a song called The Carney. And this is uh, William Prince here on River City 360 on CGNU 93.7 FM. One half of my two oldest friends Took a job till the summer's end A wonder show and a pop-up tent Kicking dust in every small town And out of work in the end A few hundred a week ain't that bad, my friend Don't think he ever picked up a wrench In his whole damn life Buzzing lights in the mosquitoes bit Thought for sure that he quit Just as soon as the night time hit Well, he proved me wrong Cause by the end of it The tilt of world and the zipper zip And he had both hands in it From sun up until they tore down Most of these folks ain't like most of these folks Keep in mind that some folks lie Thank you very much for listening to River City 360. And a special thanks goes out to Kathleen Williams and to Charlene Rosier for talking to us about Little Free Libraries and to Andrus Taskins, editor of Prairie Fire Magazine. Soda and caramel apples Three weeks in all we couldn't stand If you want to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg or listen to all of our past episodes, please visit us online at rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with Community News Commons and CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd like to know what you think about the program. Please give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 290, and leave us a comment about the show, or request a song, or if you have a story idea, or info about an upcoming event, we want to hear from you. So again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 290, or you could also email us at rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. 
Signing off for River City 360, I'm Nolan Bicknell. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday. And if you ever need a place to go, just look for the neon signs. Look for the neon signs.